welcome, welcome at another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. And we have yet again a fabulous guest. Uh, and before I tell you who it is, I will share with you the introduction. Now, your voice is a reflection of every emotion or experience you have ever had, imagined or witnessed. Judith combines classical acting and coaching skills with voice vibration sound healing to free voices and liberate lives. Now, does that sound exciting or doesn't it? Now, Judith Quinn is an international public speaker, author, creator of the Sound Your Voice Oracle card deck and member of the Association of Transformational Leaders of Europe. Judith, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> welcome to the show. That good. You sound amazing. And as you can hear, I'm here with my co-host, Woon. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so, Judith. How are you today? I am fabulous today. Uh, my cat has just started screaming outside the front door, but she knows how to go around the back, so I'm just going to ignore her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I am good. We're, given we're currently in the middle of the joys of COVID-19 lockdown, and it's three months in, and I haven't had a hug or so much as my hand squeezed, I'm doing well. Ooh, ooh, I can totally imagine. Well, I could, I'm looking forward to giving people a hug again. Also, I've had any sushi. Judith. I don't make it at home, right? So, <laughs> and my favorite restaurant is not open, so what can you do? Yeah. Uh, well, nothing to do. Then wait until uh, everything opens up to get. So, Judith, so for people that don't know you, tell us a little bit more about Judith. A little bit more about me. Oh, yes. what do you want to know? Everything. <laughs> oh, all my dark and deepest secrets. Oh, there are some stories that could be told there. Um I am, well, obviously, as, as per my introduction, I am passionate about reconnecting people to who they really are so that they can speak with confidence, with clarity, with, with the courage of their convictions. And the important thing is no matter the situation. And that's really important to me because it's about having a voice, using your voice, being heard, feeling a part of life. And so many people suffer in silence in all sorts of different ways mm. that I'm just vehemently passionate about it. And and some of that has come from, because you asked me who I am, not what I do, but it's also entangled. It's come from me always being the one. So I was always the girl in the school playground who would uh, stand up to the bullies or mm. would uh, solve arguments. I remember being in the changing rooms at school when I was about nine and two girls coming in off the bottom playground and arguing with each other and me saying hey wait what's going on and figuring it out and eventually and I you know I didn't know what I was doing then but I was coaching them in their conversation and one of my specialities is how to have challenging conversations without creating mm -hmm. conflict and it's mm -hmm. and that's a massive part of who I am and so, yeah, I'll be the one who will say the things that people don't want to say. I'm very good at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I am a barefoot, yoga-loving, tree-hugging, crystal-owning, heavy metal meat-eating rock chick. <laughs> I love that. That's a good description. Yeah, that's, I used that on a dating website once. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I have a I have a good friend who's also an ex boyfriend who who says I'm a dichotomy, um, and and that's partly you know one of my blessings. I am I'm very practical and blunt and mm -hmm. upfront. If you want blatant honesty, come to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also you know hippie woo spiritual, so mm -hmm. that's a, it's a good combo. Great, and you live in the United Kingdom. I do. Specifically in London, uh -huh. one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, and I'm so looking forward to hopping on a plane again to be back in London. Yes. 
Um, I had a question there, but it completely went out of my mind. Now so you and I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now you and I know each other from a community where we both belong in. We're also book sisters. I I encountered the photo <laughs> recently of you and I when we met for the very first moment live. We thought, oh my god, there she is, another book oh. sister. It, was it went like this, people. It really went like this. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It, we literally ran from opposite sides of the room and flung into each other's arms. <laughs> oh God, I still remember that moment. It was so much fun, especially the faces of the other people looking at us like, what are they doing? What have I missed? <laughs> uh, so I still remember that. Uh, so we are book sisters because we've both been published in the same book, uh -huh. uh, sharing our story. So that was a lot of fun. Um Voice vibration. Now, I remember the very first time that you told me about it, and I've, I've experienced it for the very first time. Uh, but for people that have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, how would you explain it? So it's a, it's a modality of sound healing, and people use sound to heal. Basically, we'll go a bit to really basic physics. Sound is waves. Your body... Uh, absorbs the waves and on a physiological as well as mental and emotional level but even on a, on a on the real basics your body responds to the sound waves coming through your cells and that literally shakes or vibrates your cell vibration so it can change it can release it's like a it's like receiving a massage I, i'll cup my hands on someone's back and i will sound into their back um, I call it sounding rather than singing because there's no right or wrong notes, and that's very important. People get mm. hung up on, oh, but I can't sing. It's like you don't need to. Mm. You just need to sound the sounds of your body, of your energy, of what you're feeling. And if you think about it, we do it naturally in life. So if you get a paper cut or stub your toe, the first thing you do is make sound. You go, ah, ow, ee, ah. You're releasing, you're releasing that experience and the energy of that experience through sound. Oh, I've never um, looked at it that way. Yeah, you see. Um, and That's amazing. I like that. Thank you. Ed. I like that description. I, I, I've never heard of it that way. And working with so many podcasters, I think sound is so important to understand even right to the basic, like the way you, you understand it. Yeah. And it's, and it's a part of us. You know, one of the first things we do when, we, when we're born is, you know, if a baby's not crying when it's born, people are worried, right? Um, the first thing we do is say, here, here I am. Here's my voice. And that's the part of my introduction, which is, you know, your voice is a reflection of every experience you've ever had, imagined or witnessed, because your cell memory and your subconscious brain hold on to all those experiences. And that makes a difference as to how free or restricted you are in using your voice. It also makes a difference on the tones that you have available, because the, the lower tones resonate lower in the body so if you were to hum mm, on like a middle hum and place your hand gently on your chest you'd probably feel your chest gently vibrating if you hum on a higher tone it's your lips or your yeah there you go and that'll be your lips or your nose or your teeth or your ears that vibrate so voice vibration sound healing is helping you find where your voice is free and where it's blocked and then the deep stuff underneath it is what are the blockages? What are the experience or the experiences that you had that you imagined or that you witnessed happening to someone else that means you have energetically shut yourself off and therefore you don't speak up in situations where maybe you want to because you feel that there's some kind of subconscious danger. So, yeah, it's big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's so big. Um, and and if how does it sound if someone's got a blockage? I mean, I can imagine someone having that question. Even if I'm humming, how do I know there's a blockage there? So you know there's a block because it's di physically difficult to make the sound. Your voice doesn't want to go there, or you might start feeling. So then what we do is we re repeat the sounds. And I first actually experienced voice vibration sound healing when I was at drama school. I just didn't know that that's what it was. Mm -hmm. 
So I was in a voice class at drama school, and I actually talk about this in, in my chapter in our book. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were given a voice exercise, and we we're having to sound our heart sound, which is ha, again and again and again. So I was sounding ha, 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 and trying to play with your voice and repeating and repeating. After a few minutes, I started getting really frustrated, mm. really angry. Mm. I wasn't liking it. And the teacher came over and said, it's okay, just keep sounding. Um, you're just blocked because you don't want to let people in and hear the vulnerability of your voice, at which point I burst into tears. Mm. Now, I didn't know that was voice vibration sound healing at the time, mm. but that that is it. And it's so you'll know your voice is blocked because there'll be situations that you go in to speak up or say something and your voice changes. It might jump an octave higher or suddenly yeah. your throat goes tight and constricted or um they're, they're the two of the usual things in everyday life that you might notice. Mm-hmm. Um, or you'll go to say something and literally the words get stuck in your throat, right? We have language for all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you'll know you've got a block. Mm. I find it very interesting. What do you do because I'm one of those people who do not like the sound of their voice? Mm-hmm. So oh, that would be, we, we play with different exercises and we, if it depends on what it is. So for you, for example, Lubna, what is it you don't like about the sound of your voice? It's, it's, I find it monotone. So doing the podcast, I can't even listen to any of the episodes back because I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 how could you, that's not you, that's not right, that's not a good voice. Yeah, you see, it's interesting perception. So, Woon, would you say that Lubna has a monotone voice? I wouldn't say so. In fact, I mean, I I do suffer from the same problem, and the funny thing is, I be I I'm doing what I'm doing so that I can edit my own voice. Yeah. And I know I'm I'm editing Lubna's voice, but I don't actually edit her voice. I just let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting because I. When I first recorded my first podcast, um, it, it was a struggle to to listen to my mm-hmm. voice. So there's a couple of differences here. So the first is, Lubna, you definitely don't have a monotone voice. Uh, <laughs> you, that one. you do, however, have a voice that comes from mostly around the same place. So it's uh-huh. um, so it's you've got quite a, a voice that's quite a lot in your head. Uh huh. But it's definitely not monotone. Okay. And uh, Wound's point as well is talking about you know doing podcasts and our voice when we hear it back through an electronic devoi- device is not actually our voice because it's been it's yeah. been compressed, it's been shifted, it's been changed. And so what we hear when we normally hear our voice, it's normally through electronic device, isn't actually how our voice sounds. Yeah, I I really agree with that. I, I that's why I think I always try and recommend people to get the best audio so that they, it really reflects who they are and really shows who they who, what they're trying to say. Yeah. Cuz I think just for people who are listening, like we we are sort of currently recording this on Squadcast which we are actually testing out. And I think this is actually a better audio quality than Zoom, where most people are, or even our previous podcasts, we are, we've always been recording in, on Zoom. But Zoom actually is a, it's actually a video conferencing software. And so they're not really audio first. And so they're actually compressing all their audio. So you're losing a lot of quality there. And so you're, you're losing a lot of the the frequencies and the, the vibrations that you might not even hear. And so I I really agree. I think, like if you can listen to your own voice like however it's reflected to you like it sounds completely different from what you think it, it sounds and the best way to get a vague we can never we can never hear our voice the way that other people hear it because we have two options one is to play it back through an electronic device and then that's not going to be your pure voice and the other one is uh, the closest you'll come to hearing your true voice is to close off one ear and 
uh, you'll see people in recording studios doing that. You'll see actors in recording studios. They have the headphones over one ear, partly so that you can hear the direction coming from the director. Sometimes you want to cut that out. And <laughs> partly so you can put your hand over the other ear and check your tone. But even then, you're not hearing your true voice because you're hearing your own voice resonating through your own body. Um, so there's way there are ways to adjust your voice to change your voice Lubna if you wanted to play with your voice to have more variety of tone I would encourage you to work more with the lower tones of your voice and to, to embody your voice because mm -hmm. most people most people who aren't actors or singers and I'm going to do it now always takes me time to think about it okay so I'm just all I've done is I haven't actually changed the tone of my voice. But what I've done is I've changed the placement of my voice. So now you've probably hear my voice probably sounds higher and sounds a little less resonant, a little less grounded. Mm -hmm. And I've not changed any of the tones of my voice, but I've changed where it's placed. So now my voice is only coming from sort of my lower neck and head. Whereas normally, oh, it's so much, it's so much relief when I come back into my voice. <laughs> normally, my voice is fully embodied, and I can go up into those head tones, but most of the time, I'm in my body with my voice. Okay, well, well, first of all, it's a very comforting thought to know that my that that the voice you hear on through an electronic device is not actually your voice, and I think that's very comforting to me. Um, because every every time I look at a video or listen to a podcast episode, I'm thinking, no, nah, that's not me. So that's actually very comforting. I can reframe and re and, and look at it from a different perspective. So that's one. Number two is based on what you just shared, the placement of your voice. I find that very intriguing. Because how do you know? I mean, I could I could hear the difference in your voice, Judith. Uh -huh. But how would I know that for me? So this is where the exercises come in. Uh, this, uh, this is the really, this is the, and we can do this physiologically. So I do have, I do work with some people who don't want to clear their emotional stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, like, thanks very much. I just want to sound like I have more gravitas when I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I would invite you to place your hand on your mid to upper chest and hum until you really feel the vibration in your chest. And then... So you go, and then drop it in tone a little bit more. And you can give your chest a rub, or you can just rub your back. And then you drop your jaw open wide, so it comes, ah, there it is. Ah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I hope, I hope the listeners are doing this with us. Oh yes, so, I, I, I hope you go. We're going through this, so you, as someone who's <laughs> listening to this right now, can get the benefit uh, from it just as much as we're getting the benefit from it. Yeah, and it's so as you do that, so you can feel you'll probably felt the physical vibrations, and just play with bringing the physical. So that's why I invite you to rest your hand there because you feel whether the vibrations get stronger. Hmm. Um, and the other thing you can do is you can take the palm of your hand and you can rub your chest and your ribs and your back, particularly your back. Mm -hmm. um, and that encourages the voice down into the body. Mm -hmm. Because if you think of your body as an instrument, it's actually, if you think of a stringed instrument, like let's take the, the uh, violin family. So mm -hmm. we have the violin, the viola, the cello and the double bass. Mm -hmm. So your tones at the top of your head, they're the violin tones. And then you've got the tones that are sort of in your head and around the back of your neck. They're like the viola tones. And then you've got the tones that are made around your heart. And that's mm -hmm. the lovely warm cello sounds. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the deep tones down here and that's the double bass. But if you're, if you're closed, if you're tight, if you're physically tense, if you're emotionally tense, then that tension, if you think that the tighter you pull the strings, the higher the note. Mm -hmm. So that tension in your body, I mean, because your, your vocal cords are muscles and they react in, you know, if your muscles go tight and you're in 
in that energy, then the voice is going to sound higher and it's going to be placed higher. Emotionally, energetically, mm-hmm. we if we don't like feeling vulnerable, if we don't want to let people in, if we're afraid of what other people might think of us, if we're not sure that what we have to say is worthwhile, all sorts of different mental, emotional things that go on, then we're less likely to speak embodied with our voice down in our chest and our rib cage because that's where our heart is and if we open up our heart and if we sound vulnerable then we might be open to attack Mm -hmm. so lots of people will subconsciously just speak from their head because this is what I know and this is what I think and that's a lot less vulnerable than what I feel and what I care about yeah Mm, fascinating very interesting I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I've got a lot of emotional things that are stuck. <laughs> well, I know someone who can help you with that wound. <laughs> You're talking to her right now. <laughs> uh, right here you got it. You get our vulnerable selves on this podcast. We share all and bear all. Um, and that's truly what, especially right now with everything that is happening in the world, there are a lot of people that don't know Uh, if they want to speak up don't know how to speak up there are a lot of people speaking up Mm -hmm. um, in different voices different tones different ways Um, so I think it's very important um, to to know these things I mean ever since I've met you it's brought to my awareness the importance of sound and our voice and voice vibration so um, and if I hadn't I wouldn't I wouldn't have known of the importance and probably kept going as I so one of one of the things is you help people do public speaking, mm-hmm. like being on stage. So I know last year when I first met you, you are actually the international speaker of the year oh, for Brand Builders Club. <laughs> <laughs> and surprise, surprise, I, I was actually the sponsor. Yeah. Which I was quite surprised. <laughs> I didn't even know until like the last moment. <laughs> um, so well done on that. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So how, tell us more, like how, how do you help people get on stage, be a, become a public speaker? So what I help people with is getting over the nerves of putting yourself out there. Uh, there's lots of public speaking coaches out there. Everyone works in different ways. Most public speaking coaches tend to work on technique and speech creation. And that's very important, and I do that too. But for me, the number one thing is for people to go to have an awareness of why it is they don't like it, what it is that makes them afraid, and that's usual. Uh, that's usually the vulnerability piece. So there's no such thing as a fear of public speaking, by the way. That is uh, just a load of rubbish. Uh, It's not speaking that people are afraid of. They are afraid of being judged or they are afraid of being seen or they're afraid of the unknown. They don't know how people are going to respond to them or they don't know the people in the audience. Or it's usually a combination of those three things that then makes up together what we know as the fear of public speaking. So what I work on with people first is that deep stuff. I'm going, okay. Well, what is it you're actually afraid of? And when we get to that, when you have an awareness, then you can do something about it. So it's a very much, it's a mindset shift that I work with people. And then I work with, this is how to stand, this is how to not be monotone, and more importantly than monotone, actually, lots of people are afraid they're monotone when what they really are is monopace. Uh, and being monopace is probably more detrimental than being monotone. Um, and yeah, so then I work on the technical stuff that most people think they want to get from a public speaking coach. So what's the difference between monotone and monopace? Okay, so the best way I can show that to you is I'm clearly having lots of tone now in the way that I am speaking but I've only really got one pace. So you are probably already switching off. 
Mm-hmm. So, so, and it's the same with tone. So uh, it's harder to do with tone for me because it's just. Um, so if I was speaking in one tone, and even if I was changing up the pace quite a lot or slowing down the pace, with either way of doing it, what happens is the your audience's ears adapt really quickly they're really sensitive so we need variety in pace as much as variety in tone because if you have variety of tone but no variety of pace your audience's ears will switch off just as quickly as if you have no variety of tone interesting i've never i never knew that oh, uh, i, I have line of information Yes, but to be to be fair, I have because I tend to when I get really passionate about what I'm speaking about, my pace goes into warp speed, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I can really talk very, very fast. Yeah, especially and I I've, I can recognize that that it's when I get really passionate and really fired up about what I'm sharing and I really want to get across, uh-huh. then I can go at warp speed and I I have not I, I will lose people because I go way too fast for most people. Now, in my brain, I'm still very logical and I can explain everything. Um, so it took me a while and it took a lot of feedback from other people and, and people actually raising their hand. I had a couple of people in the audience um, that I asked, I said, raise your hand if I'm going too fast. And ever since I've known that, I share with people, I can talk really fast, especially when I'm passionate about something. So if you find yourself thinking, wow, that's fast, let me know, please, because there are going to be situations where I'm not going to recognize myself because I'm in that passion, passionate energy too much. So I know the importance of pace because my pace can be fast. (laughs) And it's the same. It's the same when people are told there was someone I watched uh, speak and I knew it. I knew straight away who she'd been coached by. Um, And it, it, I'm just like, Oh, anyway. Um, but then, you know, she'd clearly been told that she never paused. So she'd clearly been told to make use of the pause, which is very important, mm-hmm. but not when you're pausing every for effect every second. Just, oh my god! I'm just like, yes, the pause. A pause is vital. So it's really important to have a variety of pace. And that's to, you know, it's okay to get passionate and quick as long as you then come pull back and you know that you are repeating the same message in three different ways anyway. So if they don't hear it once because you're a little bit passionate, they're going to hear it again because you've got it in a place of importance, for example. Yeah. So do that. Um, I can totally imagine uh, people that are listening in right now are thinking, what does she offer? How can she help me? Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, yes. So who am I perfect for? I am perfect for people who, if you are done with holding yourself back in life, so that for you might be you are an entrepreneur, because this is an entrepreneur's podcast, and you hate going networking or you go networking, but you hate the 60-second pitch, or you know you want to be out speaking on stages, but the thought of it terrifies you, or you know that there's big emotional stuff that is stopping you, or you might not even know that the most powerful part of the work I do, one of my clients said, she goes, oh my God, I feel like I've taken off a 10-ton backpack that I didn't even know I was carrying. Wow. So if there's something, you just know that you are not moving forward and you're not being heard and you want to express yourself with more confidence, if you want to not be afraid of putting your flag in the sand and saying, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is what I love, this is where I want to be, these are the people I want to help. If you're not doing that because something's stopping you, you're afraid that other people might think, who are you to be saying that? Who are you to be putting out that podcast? Who are you to uh, 
be talking about voice vibration sound healing, right? I'm not the only person who does it. And it's it's that thing of, oh, but other people do it, have been doing it longer. Other people are better. If you've got something that's stopping you from putting yourself out there vocally, then I can help you, A, understand and know what that really is, because it probably isn't what you think it is. It's not a fear of public speaking. And usually, this is the big stuff I do, is I will work with you to find out which version of you, so it's a younger you, mm -hmm. that is all that younger version of you is trying to do is to protect you. And that protection is what blocks your voice. So if you know you've got to be out there talking about who you are, what you do, and not worrying so much about what everyone else thinks about you, not wanting everyone to like you, Mm. but you're stopping yourself then when you free your voice you really free up so many opportunities and that's why one of my taglines is liberate your voice to liberate your mm. life mm. amazing and you also work with corporates i do yes i have a a, a a key element that I go into corporates with, which is encouraging corporates to create a culture of clear communication in their business. Mm -hmm. And that is mostly by giving people the formula that I've created to enable them to have the challenging or potentially confrontational conversations that they are avoiding. Mm -hmm. Because most I go in, there's a talk I do in corporates called Stop Suffering in Silence because most people are putting up with stuff. Oh, I'll put up with it, I'll put up with it, I'll put up with it until they break or they resign. And there's actually no need for that. Mo the majority of the people I work with, when they have the conversations after working with me that they've been afraid to have, sometimes I've just, I'm literally working with someone at the moment who for 21 years in the same company has had something that he's never told his boss. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's something for 21 years that he's not told his boss. And that is that he doesn't like his job. But he works for a family company. And so there's a whole load of stuff going on there. But we've been working with each other this week, and he's finally come down through working with me mm. to the nub of what needs to be said. And so often in corporates, in businesses, whether it's a family business, whether it's a massive corporate business, people are terrified of saying what needs to be said because of the consequences that they're making up in their brain. But when they have the conversation, 90% of the time, solutions have been, cut, have been found so quickly. And then the other 10% of the time, actually both parties have agreed that the the person who's got the challenge is in the wrong job mm. but there's no but there's no bitterness about it there's suddenly it's just like okay it's not like oh well I hate my manager and I hate my job and it's because it's like no it's actually because I'm in the wrong job yeah so in corporates I go in to to expound the virtues of being able to have those challenging conversations and I've worked with you know, people in reception needing to have conversations up. And I've worked with the chair of the board of a bank who needed to have a conversation down to the CEO of the bank. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I just, there's no need for it. There's so many people suffering in silence. Yeah. And putting up with stuff that they don't need to put up with and thinking there aren't solutions. Yeah. When actually, if you, if you voice it, it's never as bad as you think it is. No, because yeah. we, we create the um, most devastating scenario in our minds, yeah. thinking that that is reality, um, but which it never, it hardly ever is, to be no. fair. Um, and it, there are challenging conversations because you're, you're going to share something mm -hmm. that matters to you. I mean, yeah. I remember the conversation with my manager and I had been struggling for over a year. I could not put my finger on it because I had said, I had told myself, but I love my job. 
um, until I really decided, no, I need, I, I, I need a decision. I need a commitment to myself. And I literally said to my boss, my manager at the time, I said, I'm going to leave this organization. I don't know when, but I am going to take steps towards leaving. Mm. And he said, why? And before I knew it, I had no idea of the words that came out of my mouth after that, because those were not the words that I had prepared. Yeah. But I heard myself saying, because there's no future for me in this organization. And I was taken aback because I thought, oh, my God, I haven't even thought about that. But it's so true. Yeah. And I remember uh, his 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 response I mean, about about 10 seconds silence, which always seems longer, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, he said, you're right. And I literally said, I wish you had told me that a year ago because I've been struggling for years to find out what is wrong because I love what I do, but this is not the environment I should be doing it in. I've outgrown this. I should be doing it in another place. And he apparently had felt the same way, but hadn't told me. And I'm like, I could have saved a year. Yeah. That makes any and, sense. This is, and everyone, so everyone's going around thinking they don't want to be the one to have that challenging conversation so no one faces it and then yeah. what happens is it builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up yeah. and sometimes it does then build up into conflict right because everyone thinks that to confront means to create conflict but it doesn't to confront means yeah. to face up to to meet to mm. stand in front of mm. but the longer you avoid that challenging or potentially confrontational you have to confront the truth right mm. mm-hmm. The longer you avoid that conversation, the more likely it is to actually end up as conflict. Mm. But it doesn't have to. And that's like it, and whether I'm working with uh, an individual within a company who needs to find their place or whether I'm working with a whole company. Um, I've got a solicitor's firm at the moment who we're in discussions about me going in and teaching the whole company from receptionists to senior partners, mm. the, the whole voice method. Mm so that everyone has the tools to be able to have the conversations that they're currently avoiding and wasting time and money and stress and emotions and sleepless nights. Yeah. And there's no need for it. Yeah. Well, I just love what you do, Judith, as you uh, may or may not know. I'm a very big (laughs) fan of your work, and I think it's really important. And what I would like to do is jump to the second topic of our podcast, because we focused on you as the entrepreneur. Yes. But this is called the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. Yes. Because we're a bunch of crazy people that adore sushi and are very (laughs) proud um uh, and you like sushi too i do like sushi too i was a late comer to sushi i had to be converted (laughs) (laughs) i love that a lot of people needed to be converted (laughs) um and i am i i i do i love sushi i and I love that now there's you know there's one supermarket over here where you can actually get quite good sushi, uh-huh. um, and then there's another which is upping its game, so that's good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, quality quality sushi though is just just divine. I'm a sashimi girl. Mm. I was gonna ask, what's your favourite? Yeah. I'm a sashimi girl. I'm, you know, you can you can ditch the rice. Just give me the raw fish. <laughs> give, <laughs> give, give me the fish and the wasabi and the pickled ginger and um, and then we'll we'll go the other end of the spectrum uh, and give me some tempura. <laughs> so, yeah. And just to go into the sashimi, mm. any particular? So tuna, salmon, tuna. Mm. tuna. Tuna sashimi. That's cool. yeah. Do you know the story about the salmon? Oh, this could be a good one. Now, my brother is a salmon factor, right? So he he buys and sells salmon wholesale, and he actually provides some of the sushi restaurants. Um, well, I should have told you that, should I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, you shouldn't have. But Woon really shocked Gail and I in mm. Manchester when he told us the salmon story tell us the salmon story 
Yeah, I mean, for people who hasn't listened to this story, I don't think it's that, that surprising. But <laughs> but yeah, uh, basically, Salmon Sushi, Salmon is actually not uh, Japanese. Salmon Sushi. Uh, yes. Salmon Sushi. Yeah. Yeah, so Judith, you are aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, there you yeah, go. It's just, it's just that salmon is it's just the, the world's most popular fish. So it, it makes it obvious to, to make sushi out of it. And it's cheaper. Ah, I didn't know it was the most popular fish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it is cheaper, but because you usually pay more for the tuna uh, sashimi than you pay mm-hmm. for the salmon sashimi. Yeah. But for, to be fair, for Gail and I, it was like, what? Salmon <laughs> is not Japanese? That cannot happen. Sushi no. is Japanese. That can't be the case. Ah, <laughs> oh, shocking. Oh, it was so shocking. Yeah. Oh, I love that. But um yeah, so I'm a sashimi girl and I have my favorite little place that I go and get it which is um a place down here in near Greenwich called Zaibatsu and it looks like a greasy spoon cafe that you would walk past and oh. and not go in. Mm-hmm. And it's bloody brilliant. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. When was the last time you had sushi? Oh, good question. Before lockdown. Whenever. Um, did I have it when I was in LA? Did I go for sushi in LA? I don't think so. New Zealand? Counting back now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Australia definitely didn't have it. Australia or might have had it. So, so you're probably February. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Probably February. Definitely didn't have that in New Zealand. Oh, wow. Definitely I've got in Australia. So, yeah. Wow. I would have gone mad if I hadn't had sushi in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I've had raw <laughs> fish. Well, I've had smoked salmon. So, but, um, but yeah. No, it's oh, and I could because at the supermarket, it's, at my local Sainsbury's, they do do it, but it's just nah, not the same. I know. I, I've tried it too, uh, sushi from a supermarket, but it's just not yeah. the same. You can't. Um, you, if 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 you've tasted real quality sushi, it's just not the same. To be fair, I um, do it from time to time, but I most definitely, if that's the only option, I, uh, so would I. <laughs> I, I love your little giggle. I love Wound's little giggle. <laughs> yeah, you, um, you get you, you get sushi in boots as well. Yeah, no, I don't touch the sushi in boots. Gosh. <laughs> Never. No. Waitrose. Waitrose sushi is good. They they have the little they have the counters and they've got the people actually making it there. Um, oh yeah, so Waitrose sushi and Sainsbury's is, Sainsbury's is upping its sushi game. Oh, now yeah. that is good to know. But what is it about sushi that you love? Hmm, it isn't because I was a convert, right? So I didn't like it at all when I first tried it, mm-hmm. and then um, I don't know when I converted. And then I kind of became well, I have to be in the mood for it. Um, and then it became a, oh, actually, I fancy sushi. So that was my sushi journey. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, what is it about it? I love it's something about the pickled ginger. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the, uh, I just, I love food, right? I love good food. That's, I think that's what it is. I love good food. So, I, I mean, I, as I said, in my little, you know, barefoot, yoga-loving, tree-hugging, crystal-using, heavy metal, meat-eating rock chick, I'm a meat-eater, and I'll have my steak, I'll have my steak bloody, thank you, mm. because, you know, quality food, you taste it, and I think that's what it is with sushi, because it has to be the best quality fish. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you then destroy it by cooking it and so you've got the the combination of texture and flavor 
and you've got the lovely additives of the ginger and the wasabi and the whole and that experience when you eat when you go out to eat sushi it's an experience mm-hmm. um even if you're at i've got a friend who's addicted he loves yo sushi but i think oh. it's just because it's the the conveyor belt and the taking mm. place and then before you know it, we spent a hundred pounds you know yeah. um so yeah it's a combination of it, it because it is quality food and because it's it's always an experience yeah i think that's really well explained i i i really agree like sushi eating out is always it's always an experience mm. and you know you go for sushi there's a and there's only certain people who go and eat it as well so you know you know you know you're with a certain quality of person <laughs> And you're you're talking to the people that started the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. You're talking to the converted here. So yeah. Oh god. You know you're with if you're with a if you're in a sushi restaurant and you're with a bunch of people eating sushi, you know that you're with people who are willing to give stuff a go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I agree with you. I mean, raw fish, if it's not good you will smell it before yeah. you even have to taste it you will know whether it's good or not yeah. and it's the it's the raw taste so there's no additives it's nothing has been done to it so you get the natural flavor especially sashimi um, i mean it's it's the the raw fish the raw piece of fish in 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 all its glory you could say yeah um um, and and I'm I'm a I'm a tuna sashimi lover more than uh, a salmon sashimi to be fair, um, and and there's a difference for me between tuna sashimi and tuna that it's grilled a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and I don't mind a bit of grilled tuna, yeah. um, as long as it's still pink in the middle. Exactly. But but but, but the, the difference in that is the grade of tuna. So it's the freshness, yeah. it's the quality, it's the grade. Yeah. And and actually, my friend who I was talking about, my friend who loves yo. Mm-hmm. He loves sushi. He will eat sushi till the cows come home, and the cows will be happy because he'll just be eating the sushi. Um, <laughs> but he hates fish. Oh, really? Like, you can't give him cooked fish. So there you go. Wow. I'm. I'm. Wow. Yeah. It could. It could. It could. It could happen. My father is the other way around. Give him cooked fish or baked fish. Don't give him raw fish. For him, it's like, how can you be eating raw fish? So, yeah, I can imagine your friend being that. Well, Judith, as always, it's a lot of fun. Uh, (laughs) And I know that we can keep on chatting till the cows come home, um, to use your (laughs) phrase. Uh, But they wouldn't be safe around me, so. (laughs) They they would be safe around me as someone who eats vegetarian and fish only. what do you want to leave our listeners with? What do you uh, want to give them? I want to give them a couple of things. Firstly, if your challenges around expressing yourself are to do with you're worried that not everyone's going to like you or that some people are going to disagree with you, I ask you this question. And I'm going to ask this to you, Lubna and Woon. Mm-hmm. Do you like and agree with everyone you've ever met? No. Definitely not. Definitely not. So why the hell should everyone like you? Mm. And and the biggest thing is, oh, but what if someone doesn't like me? What if people disagree with me? It's like, well, you don't like or agree with everybody, so why should everyone like or agree with you? Like, let go of that need to be liked by everyone. Mm. And you'll start serving the people who need to hear you. Mm. The uh, the second thing I want to share is always have a higher purpose when you're speaking. So you make it about the people who you are serving. Make it about your audience, mm. not about you. So again, it's not a it's not about you. Mm. It's not about how likable you are. It's about how whether one thing you shared gave one person an enlightenment that might help them or shift something for them. Yeah. Um, And the other thing I have for you is if you like what I say, then I've got a couple of freebies on my website. Feel free to go and download them. 
you won't be put onto a mailing list unless you choose to sign up for my newsletter. Um, but I have the top 10 tips for talking. And depending on how you like to learn, I have it as a PDF and I have it as a video. Um, and then if you're intrigued by the sound healing elements of what I do, there is a freebie, a five minute sonic meditation freebie. And at the moment, during uh, COVID restrictions, I'm running a Monday morning and a Thursday evening UK time, uh, free or donation at sound healing meditation circles. So come and give that a try if you're going, what is this stuff she's talking about? It's weird, but I'm quite intrigued. Cool. Well, Judith, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your wisdom around uh, voice, um, vibration, and sound healing. I absolutely love it. I've learned loads today uh, during our conversation. Thank you for all of your advice, and I'm definitely going to play with uh, the placement of my voice uh, and the pace. <laughs> And I am very much looking forward to seeing you again and having some sushi together. And a proper hug. And a proper hug, of course. Yes. <laughs> and, oh, and I didn't say, my website is yourwholevoice.com. Um, yes. And yes. the page to go to for the freebies is resources for life. Okay, cool. We will be adding those to the description that goes with this episode of the podcast so you won't have to um, mind yourself if you don't have a pen and paper at hand at this very moment. Woon, any closing thoughts? No, I mean, I think Judith got an amazing service that she's providing for a lot of people and I think it's absolutely needed, especially for entrepreneurs who should be showing up and using their voice a lot more. So... I really enjoyed our conversations and I hope you do too. And definitely check out yourwholevoice.com. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening too, listeners. Thank you for for you that has listened that's listening to this podcast right now. If you found this podcast of value, please leave us a review. You will help us. Uh, gain more reach and and share this wisdom with many, many, many more people. If you are or you know someone that is a entrepreneur or a business owner who loves business and fun, but adores sushi, we would love for you to be a guest on our podcast. Please send us a message on any of the social media you will find in the description that goes with the podcast. And we will be very much looking forward to see and hear you on the next episode. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.